Freightonomics, the podcast slash show that we discuss the freight market along with that economic uh, output. I'm Zach Strickland. I am Anthony Smith. As usual. And of course, we now have a sponsor. Uh, thank you, uh, Amazon Freight. After years of fine-tuning their technology, working with trusted carrier partners and leveraging infrastructure to optimize their logistics, Amazon Freight is now offering shippers of all sizes the ability to tap into their network to optimize your business. Shipping full truckloads with Amazon Freight means reliable, reliable capacity, competitive rates, and instant quotes. If you're looking to ship or ready to haul, visit freight.amazon.com to get started. And with that, let us get this show started. Anthony Smith, we have your good friend, my good friend now. I feel like we're friends now. He's my friend first. He was your friend first. But I feel like, <laughs> I feel like you know, we were talking a little bit before the show about the weather and, and the snowstorm out in Denver, Colorado. And, well, he's not in Denver, but close enough. Yeah. Um, you know, and I feel like we have rapport now. I feel like we're, we're we've got that tightness. D one and D two. Yeah, I feel like we're friends now. But he's going to come on a little bit later uh, and talk to us about the LMI, the Logistics Managers Index, which of course he has a lot of influence in uh, building and creating something that is a, you know, from my perspective is, has been a pretty invaluable resource. Highly underrated, <laughs> in my opinion. I mean, it's like everyone gets the, I mean, of course, the PMI is huge. Everyone hears about the PMI. But the LMI, if you're in freight, is directly related and directly correlated. And it's broken out into different components. And I'm sure uh, Zach Rogers will tell us more about that. But that's just the thing. It's like warehousing, inventory levels, trucking capacity, tra uh, transportation prices. And it's just... It's just another way to slice a complex e our complex economy and kind of position it towards a more transportation, logistics-centric view. Uh, the PMI, of course, is something that, you know, the, the Institute of Supply Chain uh, Management creates that, and they are, uh, you know, that's very focused on manufacturing and new orders and, you know, building things. Um, it does have an impact to uh, transportation, but it's not as direct. You know, we're talking about transportation, warehouse, as you said. Warehouse, to me, is one of the most under- <laughs> underreported things that we measure in this country, uh, especially nowadays when you have supply chains that are built based on how quickly can they get to the end user? Uh, you know, is there a middle point? You know, there's all sorts of different network optimization things that you can do by repositioning your warehouses and your inventory. Yeah. And, and looking at these inventory levels at the different points of the, along the supply chain can really give you a lot of insight into what part of the process we're in. You know, we've been talking about this story uh, since COVID really had its, you know, I guess starting of its recovery, you know, a lot of people, including myself, <laughs> uh, couldn't believe that the freight market would recover uh, to the extent and the speed with which it appears to have done. We're looking at spot rates, of course, hitting all-time highs in a lot of areas. Uh, spot lane, spot rates in individual lanes, of course, shut, just shattering that $3 a mile mark in a lot of areas right now. Um, you know, and a lot of that is in front of demand. Yeah. Like the consumer wasn't online totally, or at least in the same way that they were in, you know, 2019. Uh, we still had a, a divergence of demand going to things like electronics. We've talked about it before, that athleisure 
uh, you know, and, and things like that, that there's all these behavioral shifts and they got enough, they have enough money here early and early on in the, uh, in the process to where they can go and buy, you know, that $20 Lululemon. Is there such thing as a $20 oh, Lululemon? I mean, you might, <laughs> I don't know. I want to say you can get a headband, but I don't even think you can get a headband for $20. At <laughs> well, they were, they were buying them up. Uh, because they were sitting in, in the house with not a lot to do, yeah. uh, home home goods, home supplies, remodeling, Home Depot lows, of course, showing record beats, um, you know, throughout what has been a very depressing. So it's it's a very uneven market. It's not just simply reporting a number in aggregate and saying, ah, oh, the economy's up. Yeah. If we were to rely on GDP all the time and to look at uh, transportation, yeah, what would we It's not a good representation. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's completely disconnected. And it's just like you said, like we have to look at all different aspects, all different perspectives. And I think one of the other ones that people are finally getting out of their heads is looking at the stock market for an indication <laughs> of what's going on in the economy because this thing's been rallying, especially like when we saw skyrocketing, skyrocketing jobless claims. And it's just like, okay, glad everyone can see that this these two things are not connected directly yeah. um, a lot of it's going to be speculation sometimes it's going to be moving in the same direction a lot of times it's not going to be moving in the same direction and um, we have to look at all different perspectives but yeah looking at GDP not going to be the best representation of freight overall and not at all and it's also going to be very lagged yeah and distorted because you have services involved there which have nothing to do with freight uh, we've become a very service economy. We don't manufacture a lot of stuff here. Uh, you know, we import most of it. We import a lot. Um, and the stuff we do manufacture, a lot of it now, it's automated. Yeah. I mean, a good part of it is automated. And I think, especially with COVID, we're going to see a lot more automation, a lot more socially distant, aware uh, manufacturing facilities, potentially, as we see more capital and less mm -hmm. labor on that, that kind of uh, barometer there. And so... I think that's going to be much of the future. And I mean, when we saw the latest PMI, the latest Purchasing Managers Index, we're seeing increasing rates for the production. We're seeing increasing rates for the new orders. Of course, 21-month high doesn't mean that it's at a 20-month high overall for manufacturing, but it does mean that it's improving on a month-to-month -month basis. And the thing that's still below 50 is that employment area. And I think the latest was 44, so it's kind of getting a little bit higher. It's less bad. <laughs> less uh, bad, yeah. <laughs> but it's still below statement. 50, still contracting. And I think that's going to be a pain point for manufacturing, although it is recovering at a pretty decent clip. I think we were talking manufacturing and, and mm -hmm. construction being the two hot points that could um, really rebound quickly and help support freight movements, of course. Yeah, I think I think we have, you know, un, unfairly kind of a, 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 as an industry attributed too much freight movement uh, to domestic manufacturing. It's just simply not a thing uh, that really drives it. I mean, importing, I mean, think about it. If you're a company and it's cheap, you know, way cheaper to go and hire somebody, you know, 3,000 miles away to build your products and then bring them in, we're really expensive. I mean, yeah. we're really expensive to make things. So, therefore, you know, you have so much offshoring. Now, everybody's talking about nearshoring after the COVID thing and, and what that may do. Uh, to that side of things. And that may actually, you know, bring that manufacturing component a little bit closer to home, but you're still talking like a long time away. A lot of the investment, something you can glean from the uh, stock market is where's all that investment capital going? Yeah. A lot of it's going into technology. Yeah. Look at that NASDAQ just shooting up all the time. Right. Uh, had a bit of a hiccup over the last few days, but, you know, it, it's still, you know, technology is going to drive the quality of life higher. Uh, you, we're, that's where we're going to get that automation in the, in the manufacturing and all that done. But that will be a deeper dive for another day. 
Anthony maybe we can get Seth Holm on here with that. Seth Holm would be great. Former Seth, hedge fund for you. Uh, manager. That would be a great person to have on and, and discuss some of those nuances and why the stock market can be so disconnected. But there's also information to be gleaned from that. You know, it's not just simply a lot, all these quants or quantitative traders uh, sitting up there, you know, refining their algorithm yeah. every day, although that's most of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they do have some logic built in there that's not simply market psychology anymore. But before we bring uh, Zach Rogers on here in a little bit, we do have, it's a special week uh, for freight and the freight market. And a lot of people every year, and this doesn't have as much weight as it had in 2019, but it is road check week, the second one of the year. Um, this one is uh, focusing on driver requirements. So traditionally what this means is you have a lot of drivers, you know, avoiding areas, avoiding being on the road for certain periods of time, avoiding, you know, all these different things because they don't want to get pulled over because they have roughly a, you know, a third of the drivers get put out of service every year. Uh, road check week, the ones that get inspected, there's roughly, I think 3000 as uh, Clarissa Haas, who wrote the article on uh, FreightWaves.com. Uh, Please check it out. Uh, the title of the article is, Are You Ready? CBSA's International Road Check Gets Rolling. And it's a 72-hour blitz where they're going to be checking ELDs, you know, basic, you know, is the driver impaired in any way? Are they keeping all their logs accurately? Are there any signs, documentation, everything needs to be in order, you know, dri- proper licensing, that type of stuff, just basic you know, functional requirements of operating a class eight vehicle. And they're going to be doing that uh, for the next 72 hours. Again, this could further exacerbate what has already been a super tight market. Yeah. It's, it's kind of interesting to me that they picked, you know, they delayed this from May. It was supposed to, it was originally, this part of it was scheduled for late May. Uh, and it's interesting to me that they do this around holidays. Uh, they normally do this first week of June, right after Memorial Day. Uh, when capacity is already kind of tight, yeah. it's almost like take a vacation, drivers, make the market tighter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and and they, you know, this is right after Labor Day, holiday week, so it's almost like encouraging drivers to take the week off. Uh, but yeah, because if you're a driver, you don't want to be stuck out there, right? Like even if everything's on the up and up, yeah, I want to no, Why risk it? Like what? What if something? What if I miss something on accident? And now it's just a simple mistake, and now eh, inconvenient. Yeah, no. And I mean, and they're doing this in the name of safety. So it's obviously not necessarily a bad thing. They want to make sure everybody's compliant uh, and operating a vehicle in the most safe manner possible and the safest manner possible. Um, And that's a good thing. And they do need to do that. But they probably should do it all the time (laughs) when they can. Uh, But again, this generates awareness. So hopefully all the drivers out there are a little extra safe and on their game this week. Uh, But and if they are, it will be worth their time and because they're going to be making rates. they're going to be making a good bit of money. Yeah. Tender rejection rates continue to increase this week. Normally we see you know this kind of hump in the tender rejection rate right around these holidays where it, it increases in front of the holiday and then drops off right afterwards. It's almost like a mound effect if you will because yeah. again you've got home times to be concerned about if you're a carrier that really uh, they put a box around their geography so they can only be like, say they're domiciled in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, they basically say, we want to make sure that you're within one day of your house for the weekend. So they're not going to give them another load that puts them, pulls them out of that range. 
So that means that that's reduced optionality, reduced uh, you know capacity in the networks out there for these shippers. And again, a lot of shippers like to get things out right. uh, before a holiday. Right. Um, so that tends to put a little bit more pressure on rates. But this year, tender rejection rates are already through the roof, yeah. uh, over 26% today uh, for the first time uh, all year. And, you know, since 2018, we have never, we have not been in this range before. So something we're going to talk about with, uh, Dr. Rogers here in a bit is that transportation capacity. And we are still continuing to see it just rise, rise, rise. Um, a lot of consumer goods too. I mean, we had Chris Bryant, my, my trekking cousin on the show not too long ago, and he was talking about stuff he's been hauling. And a lot of it's been on the consumer facing sides. I mean, he, I think he was hauling poles last time we spoke to him. Um, pools. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And yeah. The flatbed operator, of course, gets to haul all sorts of fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's just it's just crazy to see that that amount of consumer activity continuing mm-hmm. um, in spite of all of the redu- reduced jobless claims benefits. And some even though we've had employment rates drop down un, uh, unexpectedly, unexpectedly, but not this much um, to I think right around the mid eight percent point. So you're bringing up a really good point. I think we should hit on this real fast um, while we have some time. You know, this idea that the unemployment rate, this is something that I debated with Craig Fuller back a few months ago. I just, that unemployment rate made me so nervous that I could not expect demand to come back online as fast as it did. However, the stimulus, of course, helped boost that. But there's also this inequity in that unemployment report. And it's heavily weighted towards, you know, your service industry uh, people. Uh, can you break that down a little bit for us? Tell us, like, really what that unemployment rate means at this point in time. Um, you know, I don't expect you to have, I'm kind of springing this question on you last <laughs> out of nowhere, but I think it is important to know that that, you know, 8% unemployment or 9.6% unemployment rate doesn't, it's not, it's not all the same, it's not the same unemployment rate that you would expect during a recession. Right. It's a lot of hourly wage, uh, you know, lower income people that are no longer, you know, in the space. And they're getting, you know, they're still getting, they still got a lot of money through July. Right. Um, right. So they might be coming, uh, that, that might be coming due here in the next few months. Yeah. Thoughts? Yeah. Um, so you just, as you mentioned, I mean, a lot of it's going to be kind of weighted to a certain industries. Mm-hmm. And when we're looking at the unemployment rate, um, of course, there's that dichotomy of, okay, are we talking about uh, people currently looking for work or discouraged workers? There's that yeah. whole other topic that's for another time, neither here nor there right yeah. now. But looking at the current unemployment rate, and we see that, um, you know, government has been a pretty substantial industry right now with, um, with new job openings in the most recent month, uh, retail trade getting mm-hmm. active, transportation and warehousing, of course, professional and business services, um, educational and health services. So we are seeing a lot of service-heavy based um, employment opportunities that are kind of coming back online right now, yeah. which is encouraging. And um, of course, it's, you know this employment, unemployment um, has greatly surpassed uh, where we were during the Great Recession in 08, 09. But we're starting to see that quickly come back down. And I think that's one of the things that you mentioned early on in the pandemic was like, we usually when we see these sudden shocks and sudden jolts, we'll start to see these um, subsiding when we have natural disasters and mm-hmm. treating this as a natural ch- disaster, I think was a, definitely a spot on call. Um, and But when we're looking at not just unemployment rates, but jobless claims, that's coming down. That's below 1 million once again in the latest report that was released last Thursday. But should be noted that that 
that number now has been altered and it's now being um, analyzed a little bit differently on a seasonally uh, annual basis, a seasonally adjusted basis. And so um, some reports are saying that it's a little bit artificially lower and they're expecting it to rise a little bit more in the coming weeks potentially, but it is below 1 million and the historic numbers aren't getting adjusted as well. So you might just right. having that smooth comparison, but um, this is supposed to be a more accurate representation of the unemployment sector um, or unemployment, unemployment in general. In general, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but when we're looking at overall unemployment, it, it just has been a complete... Um, I think although there is still a long way to go, there is a lot of positive news um, with uh, the jobless rates that's, that's in the U.S. right now. Yeah, aren't they tracking now uh, permanent job losses versus temporary job losses? And there, there is a concern moving forward about, you know, the, the permanent job losses appear to be, they're going to be the ones that are going to be sticky. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, a lot of that unemployment number was kind of fluff. Uh, it was like, you know what, you can get paid to go sit at home. We'll take the break as a company uh, from having to pay you for a bit. The government's going to give you your paycheck for the time being. But in that number, which is, you know, very difficult to see, uh, you know, as an aggregate, we don't, we're not really sure how much of those aren't coming back, say, in January or when, you know, we are allowed to go fully, you know, back to work. Right. Yeah. And I think that's been one of the really big I think talking points that wasn't really expected early on. A lot of people expected when jobs come back, it'll be just business as usual. But there is a substantial amount of permanent jobless loss, permanent job loss that hasn't been expected, I think, early on as we see this kind of right. progress. Because I think certain um, uh, ideas are being adopted, certain uh, you know ways of life, work-life balance are being adopted. And so when we're looking at that, that's going to eliminate a lot of potential industries altogether. Mm -hmm. And I mean, one of the ones that's going to be, I always talk about, that's going to be impacted the hardest potentially, of mm -hmm. course, is um, flight. I mean, um, flying throughout the country, pilots. I'm thinking these are professionally trained individuals, but we're not flying as much. Right. And it's going to be a hard industry to pivot out of like, yeah, that, that, when you're so specialized. The airlines, of course, uh, United's done a great job reportedly of transitioning into that you know, cargo-centric uh, model, which they already had a decent uh, model for, stronger than either Delta, Southwest, and uh, because they have the larger jets uh, set up for that type of freight movement. But yeah, a lot of those people aren't going to get to come back to the airline industry anytime soon because right. even as we kind of relax our standards, uh, you know, the social distancing, et cetera, there's still a lot of people that have l figured out a way to be without that travel. Yeah. Uh, for the time being, you know, we've all adapted, you know, our businesses around not have not being able to fly to certain areas. So now we have all this technology, the Zoom calls and the Google Meets and all these other video conferencing things that have actually kind of almost seamlessly replaced a lot of that need. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that those, you know, it's a net negative because a lot of those jobs are now going to go to technology. Yeah. Not that those workers are able to transition into technology, but it's going to create jobs in another space so one's loss is going to be another's gain at some point definitely definitely especially when we're looking at you know that su supply and demand of adequate labor in certain industries and looking at that i'm definitely a little bit um i'm anxious i should say for yeah. the first quarter of 2021 i think that's going to be a very that's kind of my mark sobering too. moment I, I think i think yeah, i had two points uh mark you know when i was debating craig the second time um the uh you know, one of my marks was I thought October we would see the first 
sign of, you know, the market kind of softening a little bit or loosening. We'd see some sort of, you know, sign of the industry kind of, or the demand really kind of loosening up. And uh, if we got through that, then I was like, all right, well, January is going to be the for sure. Now, yeah. if we see some sustainability throughout January, we know we're in a different world order. <laughs> right, right. And speaking of that, I mean, we should probably get on to having our special guest, Zach Rogers. Yeah, is Zach on. Rogers available? He is available. But okay. before we do, I, I'm, I'm so very thankful. Yeah about this show, about people watching, and I'm also thankful for our sponsor. Thanks to our sponsor, Amazon Freight. After years of fine-tuning their technology, working with trusted carriers, partners, and leveraging infrastructure to optimize their logistics, Amazon Freight is now offering shipper of all size, shippers of all sizes to tap into their network to optimize your business. Shipping full truckloads with Amazon Freight means reliable capacity, competitive rates, and instant quotes. If you're looking to ship or ready to haul, visit Amazon or freight.amazon.com to get started. And well said. And Zach Rogers, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it there going? I'm happy to be calling in from the end of the world. Yeah. Uh, uh, where, where the temperature has dropped 65 degrees in the last 48 hours. And we've gone from fire to uh, ice. Um, but yeah, it's, it's exciting times. And look at you guys with your sponsors. Wait, look at, I knew this was the number one freight. <laughs> this is the you number did. You one freight <laughs> economics podcast. And I, I was going to say in the country, but in the world, in the world, in the world, oh, yeah. I'm going to be that bold. Oh, <laughs> Hot take. So, uh, Dr. Rogers, we've got about eight and a half minutes left, uh, oh, to discuss, uh, the LMI results. So, so break it down for us. Give us the high, the high points of the, uh, of the LMI. Perfect. No, that's good. We never go along. So eight and a half is perfect. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so basically what we saw, uh, this month is a, 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 a really big jump. So our overall index score came in at a 66 highest we've seen since October of 2018. All right. So these are and, you know, we remember Q4 2018 was pretty good times. And so our growth rates coming back carrier. around that way. <laughs> yeah. And it's driven. It's driven by transportation. All right. So our, our transportation price uh, growth came in at 84. Uh, and just so we all remember, it was at 37 in April, kind of when everything started. So we're up 46 points since uh, since really the dip happened in the pandemic. And this is also based on the number 50, right? So that's a pretty high number. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. Thanks for, yeah. Reminding all the, the new, the new viewers, anything above 50 means growth, anything below 50 means contraction. And so to have an 83 is essentially, you know, an an almost unprecedented level of growth. Uh, And so it's way, way up there. And at the same time, capacity is a 30. And so it's basically impossible to find a truck and the ones that you do tend to be really, really expensive. And I think that this really informs us a little bit when we think about, okay, so, because, and you guys were t- kind of mentioning it at the top of the show, why are we seeing this freight come back, uh, you know, sort of come back at a disproportionate level to the rest of the economy, right? Because like you said, we got a lot of people unemployed. There's a lot of businesses that aren't really up to full speed yet. You know, we're, we're trucking like it's June of 2018. So what's going on? Well, basically, if you look at how COVID has changed the way we do things, trucks have never been more important. Okay, so again, if if I'm if I'm a freight person, this is great because (laughs) look look at look at retail in Q2 
this year, 16.1% of retail in Q2 is e-commerce. Compare that to Q2 in 2019, it was 10.8. So yeah, 10 to 16, that doesn't seem like a big jump until you think that's a 50% increase. So e-commerce as a percentage of total retail is up 50% year over year. Well, as we know, e-commerce is much more sort of logistics intensive because we have all of the last mile stuff. So not only are we having more trucks on the road, we're using more warehouse space, we're holding more inventory closer to the customer. An inventory held closer to the customer is more expensive. You know that I yep. used to work for your, uh, your new sponsor, uh, Amazon, and when I did, I was out in the middle of the desert in rural Nevada. Uh, I used to drive by cows sometimes, uh, and, and not like cows on the side of the road, like cows in the road, uh, because you're just out in the middle of nowhere. That's not the type of inventory we're building up, not out in the middle of nowhere. It's, you know, in downtown Seattle or, you know, three, 20 minutes away from a population center. That's the inventory that's increasing now. And so we're seeing a bump up in warehouse prices because of this increased reliance on e-commerce. So transportation's up, warehousing up, because everything's getting closer and closer. So when we say 16 versus 10, what that means is even if the economy's not recovering that quickly, because e-commerce and logistics services are so much more important to the recovery we do have, we're seeing this bump up in freight and, uh, and really sort of logistics services are leading the way in terms of the recovery. And I think we'll, we'll continue to see them recover um, and go up, even if the economy stays relatively flat. Yeah, I think you're making a really solid point in that whole, that near, t that, you know, end user repositioning inventory closer to the end point, uh, final destination, having a huge impact to, the, you know, what we're seeing in the industry right now. Now, we are coming up. On the, on the fourth quarter here, which of course is the, the name of the game is e-commerce uh, here in the fourth yeah. quarter. And, you know, expectations are that it's going to have an, you know, exacerbated effect uh, on the rest of the, uh, the industry and the space. And, you know, considering that tender rejection rates, capacity, everything's getting tighter. Volumes have not slacked <laughs> at this point so far. What do you think that's going to do? I mean, do you expect that this fourth quarter to be one of the most robust that we've seen? I think so in terms of the freight market. I mean, overall, consumer spending could go down. Uh, as you guys mentioned, you know, the, the stimulus stuff has sort of been discontinued. And unemployment right now, I mean, it's interesting, you know, the, the number of unemployed people went down uh, last week. And then average wages went up, meaning that the people who are still unemployed tend to be in those sort of lower uh, income brackets, as, as you guys mentioned. So overall spending might actually be down in Q4, but logistics spending, I would say, is going to be up because, again, there's going to be more trucks on the road and more inventory being held close to the consumers. And so, you know, you were you were saying earlier, uh, Zach, one about, uh, you know, the sort of hump we see a lot of times with Q4 because we move everything forward, um, you know, for the holiday shopping and then it's there, right? We load it all up in November and then it sort of sits there. Well, this year, if it's 50% more e-commerce, it's not going to be, Hey, we got to load up the store for black Friday and then we're done. It's going to be, we're continually shipping stuff out, you know, maybe up to only a few days before, before the holidays. Right. And so I think that sort of hump that you normally see where we have the big spike in like, you know, November, 
is going to sort of be a flatter curve. We might not see as, as tall of a spike, but it'll go longer, right? So it'll be more of a smooth curve, I think, um, uh, going later into December than we would normally see. I see. So more of the same, uh, just extended. I like that. Yeah. Excellent. Yep. Excellent. Well, well, it's like the rest of 2020. It's just, I mean, you know, it's essentially March 150th right now. So it's just <laughs> going to keep going in a flat. March Tembuary, the 3800th. <laughs> exactly. March was yeah. so long. But Mr. <laughs> Rogers, Zach Rogers, Dr. Rogers, thank you so much for joining mm-hmm. us. Um, Zach, we don't have a, I'm, I'm trying to think of something that will be topical for a brain buster because he got our last one, our last trivia question. Did. I didn't even, I didn't even prep. My brain's already spent. Zach Rogers, <laughs> yeah. Z2. Yeah. What well, you is spent your so much guess? Time talking before the show about, you know, the greatest <laughs> hip hop hits of 2000. <laughs> what is your guess of a top three coldest state with the temperature ever recorded? The top three coldest state? Yeah, with the uh, with the most uh, lowest temperature ever recorded. I mean, probably is it Alaska? You got number one, Alaska. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. He's well, Bush League. Bush League. Is it over the here. one that touches right. the North Pole? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bush League. You know, Bush League. I mean, that you're thinking about. You should have said like continental. I should, continental. <laughs> okay. Montana. But Zach, you're, you're killing it either way. We're gonna have to work harder when you come on. Hey, you, you guys are doing great. <laughs> All right. All right, Zach. Uh, thanks again for joining us. Uh, and thank you for watching. Uh, that'll do it for this week's Freightonomics. Uh, again, thank you again to Anthony Smith. Zach Strickland and Zach Rogers. <laughs> and we'll see everybody next week. Same bat time, same bat channel, maybe. Maybe we'll change it up. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> we can do whatever we want. We can do whatever we want. As long as, the vi- as long as the video team says it's okay. Yeah. And, and George <laughs> passes on it as well. We do a few checks to melt. We don't have ultimate power. So.